Hello everybody and welcome to the first year of Guide to CS Writer's Commentary. My name is Anujan. Just graduated, class of 2020, CS Specialist. Well, the host of Room 2250 last season during Season 3 and now I'm here to do my favorite Writer's Commentary. Writer's Commentary, Director's Commentary of the first year Guide to CS. So, this guide was actually first created back in 2018. So it was myself, Clara, a few others got together to sort of write up a guide on first year CS, how people were, what they learned, what things people need to know. So I to help ease that anxiety of coming in as a first year student. Then now after that, a lot of changes have happened and the huge success of the original guide we thought, I thought it was a good idea to just go back, go through a full edit, bring up to date new content with program changes, which basically made the old guide almost irrelevant. And maybe spruce it a lot, but have a few gifts linked to the podcast episodes that I did throughout the last season. So I thought, hey, okay, along with the guide, provide an audio version that people can listen to and Maybe there's a video version. Um, I'm actually recording this as a video, so we'll see. Maybe I'll release the video version as well. So first to start off, it's like, as far as this guide, I'd like to believe it's accurate. It's not an official guide. It's written solely from the perspective of students like myself, and we, we include sources to official documentation. So if you're making any plans based on what you're reading here, Make sure you do research carefully and consult with the undergrad office or your registrar if you need help to, or to confirm your understanding. This is also technically a work in progress. Myself and others will be adding and editing content throughout the summer as new information comes to light, especially with COVID-19. And throughout this audio video version, I'll be sort of explaining the story behind this guy, personal notes from my time at CS and I hopefully will only be recording this once. So when you're done listening, there's a feedback form on the guide itself. Please fill it out. It gives me some valuable feedback and will give future writers and content a better feel on what it should be. So I hope you gain something, whether it's information, inspiration, or if you see anything wrong, raise an issue. This is a host on GitHub, so change it, make a pull request. It's an open source document at the end of the day. So, thank you for listening. I wish you the very best. Let's get to it. So, of course, the original 2018 version was myself and Clara, then first year, and then the CCU team at the time for reviewing. So, now it's sort of changed. Now it's just myself that's re edited this guide. A lot of the content is sourced from that original version. So, a big thank you, of course, to Clara as well that she's done a lot of work on editing that guy, the original version as well. And we've kept a lot of the content where it makes sense. So here comes up the first gift that we have. For people that don't know, this is Greg Miller. He's from Kind of Funny Games. Well, Kind of Funny the company. So he's former IGN. And then he started his own company doing video game shows, pop culture, a lot of stuff himself. Nick Scarpino, Tim Geddes, Blessing Addy A.A. Jr. this year. Andy Cortez and a bunch of others. And these guys really helped me personally throughout my four years of university. Every morning 
throughout my community. It was like listening to their content, coming back was also as well. Really, they gave me great laughs and all these gifts are actually from one of the community members, Corey Cutney, who does really great gifts a lot. And this is one of the first of many gifts that will be appearing here. But these guys really help me. And even Greg's podcasting style influenced a lot of what I've done in terms of my podcasting as well. So through Room 2250, sort of the styling you'll see from Kind of Funny Games Daily, which I'm a huge fan of. So as a story behind. So if you have CSU, I'd like to congratulate everyone who's received an offer of admission to CS or you're considering we'll get an acceptance. That was actually added because we found out that people were using this guy, the original version, as a way to figure out what the program was like to choose whether they were going to even apply to that, apply to CS. Which, hey, we welcome those people. This is a guide for anyone and everyone. And remember, this is for technically the St. George campus. I'm pretty sure that makes it clear. I should be at somewhere, but it's written there. But the St. George campus, if you're looking for information on the Saga campus or in Scarborough, uh, if you go to their department web pages, you should be able to find information. Maybe not a, a nice guide like this, but something similar. So this is a collection of basically FAQs. We first started as FAQs and then now it's more of a, oh, we're going to talk about everything that everyone and first year should understand should know. This is now part of a multifaceted project to curate resources for the entire CS community. And some of those will be linked in this guide, added on as we make them. One of those is the CSU job resources, which is hosted on the same GitHub repo. Well, not on the same GitHub repo, same GitHub organization is another repo there. So the thing is, starting in, we're right here, it's like, University can be exciting, but it's also daunting, especially in your first year. You might feel a lot of excitement, but also it's okay to be scared. Especially this year with the pandemic affecting our lives mentally, physically. It's okay to feel scared. But university can be a great experience. It can be exciting. It can be eye-opening. It can be amazing. But it can also be stressful. It can also be daunting and scary. So we hope that after you read this guide, you'll get some tips on how to be successful in your first year here, and maybe get some laughs along the way. Of course, if there's anything you want to add or add in the guide, send the CSSU an email, make a public request on the GitHub repo, put an issue in GitHub repo. I'll be looking at that repo, basically doing maintenance work. So we'll see. So Stratham, this is pretty long. Feel free to read it in chunks, listen to this in chunks, or binge it if that's your style. I hope this audio recording is a half hour, but I think this is going to go for maybe an hour, hour and a half. So let's see how this goes. So there was supposed to be another gift that's here from Greg Miller. The reason that this gift did not make it is because the F word is on this cup of coffee. It was like, pour a cup of coffee, pack a lunch, you're going to be here a while. But I that coffee had that word in. I thought, uh, okay, let's let's stay PG. Even though you, hopefully everyone that's applying is most of them should be over the age of eighteen. Actually, wait, no, that's a bad assumption to make. <laughs> there are people that there's actually I remember reading about a student who's graduated from U of T at the age of sixteen or eighteen. One of the youngest students graduate. So 
Yeah, okay. Good choice. They may be less than 13. So yes, so since this guide is posted on the CSU site, as well as them putting in a lot of work to support the guide making, we thought, of course, we have to talk about them first. But the CSU is an important institution, I guess, within an institution. For CSU, and I've personally, I have spent a lot of time at the CSU. I know their executives. I've been in the office more times than I can count. That's almost a second home. A third home, if you can't pay him, is a second home. But the CSSU, Computer Science Student Union, represents all CSU students who are taking a course or part of the program, so the major, minor, or specialist at St. George. That's a lot of students. It's about 4K, 4,000 students. A thousand of them are around first years. A thousand. 500 actually, it's a little bit, it's a bit more, 1,000 to 1,500 students, and then 500 in the program, give or take 500 to 600. They offer a variety of services, sell drinks, snacks, ice cream sandwiches. So the big point, the gift of the ice cream sandwiches has to point that ice cream sandwiches are important part. They are the only place that I've seen that has ice cream sandwiches available anytime, even in dead winter. And the most popular selling item there, 50 cents for an ice cream sandwich. Great, great. Problem is, stock doesn't really keep up that much because it's actually really hard to get ice cream sandwiches. Why? Because Costco does not deliver them. So people actually have to go drive to a local no frills, get it, and then come back. So their office is in BA2250. So if you go to the Bayhan Center through the front doors, up the stairs, and take a left, it's at the end of the hallway. So 40 St. George Street, second floor, and you can meet them when their office eventually reopens. As of writing, we don't really know if the office will be open for students to come in, but we hope one day that it will happen. So the CSU holds a lot of events such as game nights, pancake breakfasts, town halls, academic events such as tea times with profs where students have the opportunity to socialize with everyone over pancakes, video games, and stuff that they're interested in. And speaking of video games, we have a lot, there's a lot of video games and consoles in the office. From GameCube for Smash, to the Wii U for Smash, and Switch for Smash. Yes, people really like Smash. And if you haven't played Super Smash Bros. before, don't worry about it. It's much easier to play than Mortal Kombat. Very easy fighting game to get started. It. There, it does get very technical in parts, but you know what? You can always play with your casual style, and people are really, really friendly about letting you just come in, join a match, quick match. There's also an Xbox One and PlayStation Three. Believe me, I don't know why we didn't upgrade to PlayStation Four, but there are new consoles coming out at the end of the year. So Microsoft, Sony, if you want to give us an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, we will take it. They'll take it. For you to play with your friends or make new ones, we, a lot of people, the second most popular game, I guess, after Smash and Mario Kart, is COD. People play COD, so, on the 360, so, yeah. COD was never really big, I think. So feel free to drop by, say hello, introduce yourself. The space is a bit small, but the people there are you can always just walk in, say hi, introduce yourself, and 
possibly make some friends, meet someone you didn't know before, maybe even a lifelong friend, or worst case, you can come in the microwave your food. There's a microwave. A lot of people come just for the microwave. And you can now sign up for their email newsletter that contains information on upcoming events uh, with the link in the guide. And of course, the Smash Bros. Ultimate introductory gift. That is a moment. That's actually, I watched that reveal live in CSSU. We watched Nintendo's E3 presentation back when they announced Smash Ultimate and Oba announced hype, hype. So they also support CS Bros. This happens at the beginning of the year. For students to get to know each other and be introduced to some great information. We ran it successfully for the last past two, three years. And hopefully we'll be able to do it again this year. But stay tuned for more details later this summer on how we're reworking it for 2020 based on public health measures. So common terms you should know. Acorn, your one-stop shop for everything you need to do officially. Your rolling courses, accessing your final grades, your tuition bills, deferring your tuition, finding out when you're getting your scholarship money, anything, Acorn is your go-to site. It also contains links to everywhere else, so almost everywhere else. All the main university sites, Quirkus is one of them. Pro tip for Acorn, you can save courses to your enrollment cart, where you can just quickly push buttons to quickly enroll when you're doing course enrollment. That works if, of course, you're fast enough and courses don't fill up, but it's, it's, it's easier than the old system where you have to memorize everything in a bunch of, in a paper and start typing them in, like you're entering in like Windows 97. So Quarkus, and some people will call it Portal, which is actually the system that Quarkus replaced in 2018. And yeah, I'm still naming it the most unfathomable name on campus. It is. So Quarkus is an LMS, Learning Management System. Most courses use it to provide their lecture slides, assignments, important dates, course updates. Previously it was called Blackboard and some people will still call it that. You can submit your assignments, access your term marks. CS courses tend to use their own sites in conjunction with Marcus, but most courses are pretty much going to use Quarkus. Though some CS courses will still use it for maybe video hosting or stuff like that. So if you use D12 or Blackboard in high school, then you'll find that Quirkus is very similar to it. Marcus is also there where you can be submitting mark and getting feedback and marks basically for most of, if not all, CS courses. Make sure you can log to the site as soon as it's available because in order to avoid hassles that will undoubtedly arise if you can't log in on the day your assignments are due. You do not want to be the person who's like, the day of the assignments do, figure out that they can't log into Marcus for some stupid error. Please don't be that person. It's terrible. Pro tip, always submit your assignments early. Since that system tends to get overloaded and it's known to be slow or crash in the last minutes before a deadline, it's your personal responsibility to submit early. And keep in mind, multiple submissions are allowed for most courses. I don't think I've ever seen a course that's been like, Oh, your only submission, that's your only submission. You can't resubmit before the deadline. So that means your only your final submission will be graded. Even if you submit various drafts of your work prior to the deadline, 
This allows you to edit and see it works. And many times you see that until the deadline. There's also the Piazza, which many courses use the course forum, where you can post questions, get answers from classmates or profs. Some courses, however, don't use Piazza. They instead go for discourse or the Corpus discussion boards. Basically, these boards are really good for finding answers to frequently sought out clarifications, especially on assignments, where basically a lot of clarifications will happen and will save you a lot of work if you read through Piazza. So also edit the email settings when you log in for the first time. For me personally, I don't want to get an email every time a new question is there. I'd be like, I want to be personal enough to like, I will look at it twice or three times a day and just manage through the notifications and read unknowns there. I do not want an email and plug in my inbox. But some people like that, so edit the settings to how you see fit. And search your question before posting on the Piazza. It's very likely that one of your classmates have already asked that question earlier. And profs really don't want to answer the same question five million times. They really don't. So the teaching labs. Basically, it's the whole CS department's infrastructure, including the actual physical labs in Mayhem. Whether you're interacting with the department via Marcus SSH for remote lab connections and PCRS. At the beginning of the year, you will get an email asking to set up your teaching labs account. It's very important. One, you don't actually lose the email. Two, don't forget the password. Once again, don't forget your passwords, but also make sure that you're using strong passwords. Great. Information services will be very happy with me for putting out the word that you must have great passwords, good passwords, long and known passwords. This is your most used login that you'll need at UFT after a question you try ID with Acorn. Also know that as a CS student, you can get access to labs and Bayhem 24-7 with your T-card. Now, with the pandemic, this may change. But after this pandemic, or hopefully soon, you will still have 24-7 access to Bayhem with your teacher. For more information on the labs, visit their site. This contains room numbers and the status and uptime pages for UFT, Teach servers, and Marcus. So like this gives the Marcus status, the actual teaching lab service, showing that, hey, maybe there's downtime coming soon, hopefully. Checking if the teaching lab website is down or it's a specific problem. The UFT branded speed test. I never knew this actually existed or why this would exist, but sure. And the UFT information technology service status, giving full tech status and uptimes for the mail service, Quarkus, Acorn, etc. So the help center. This is one of the best places you can get official help in first and second year courses. It's located in Bayhan has TAs and professors ready to help you when you have questions. For full schedule, when it's open, who's there, there's a link in the guide. And for up your courses, normally you would just get help directly with the course instructors or teaching assistants. They don't really use the help center. It's more for just first and second year courses. Getting help is really important. Make full use of these hours, especially don't go during the last few days in an assignment because then the help center line normally goes out the roof and I've seen it jam. Like literally, there's a line to get in, and the room is already full. Now, note for this year, it's unknown how the system will be ran. So look for updates from your profs on 
whether the help center will still run this year or virtually. And of course, for your official program questions concerns, on the fourth floor band, you can visit the undergrad office for CS. You can ask some questions ranging from program mission, financial situations, anything to do with the program at all. And they're always willing to help out. If you need any advice, the office is a great place to get official answers to all or if not most of your questions. And if they can't answer it, they'll normally tell you where you can figure out where you can get an answer from. Oh boy. So the first rule see is the delays in one car and don't remake the wheel. Or the print statement, to be honest. Since faculty work in science is already videotaped, it has subtitled videos on how course enrollment works and great tips for university, I'm just linking them in the guide itself. They're made about two years ago, but the life still holds. And these do contain some of the bestiest peers that I've ever had the pleasure of knowing personally. They have some really great advice in there. 2020's Johnny Tomas Scholar, 4CSSU General Council Member, TA, Frosh Organizer, Multiple Award Winner. Uh, Lana is in this, former CS Vice President, CSSU Vice President, UFT Hacks President, and TA Calvin, and 2017 Canadian Undergrad CS Conference Co-Chair, and TA Felipe. So, lots of tips there. And one extra tip there from Reddit is that you could access course evaluation submitted by past students for courses on Corpus. Just log in, select course evaluations, and you can't see the specific comments for privacy reasons, but you'll see the numerical stats on how students felt about these courses. Great way to learn about certain electives, one way or another, and for us, if they're teach the course before. And of course, for more important videos with tips, information about the university course enrollment, Maybe there'll be a new series this year. Check out the Artside YouTube channel. And we, I have an episode in Room 2250 talking with Lana about her achievements and advice for first years and upper years as well on the Room 2250, Room 2250 episode. So now, if you're in stream, there's a few notes about course enrollment. So first of all, there's the department site for the new first year experience talks about new courses, and the whole flame imaging. Please read it. The students in stream. Technically, this is the first time a course like this has been offered in the fall semester. So CSC 110Y1, it is a one semester course. You will start in September. You will finish it in December with an exam. But it is a full course credit. Normally, you have a half credit course. So this means CSC 110 is the equivalent of two half-year courses, double the amount of lecture time, double the amount of lab time, and you earn a full credit on completion of this course. CSC 111, of course, is your typical normal half-year semester course that you take in the winter. This means you will have to look at your course load accordingly. You cannot just treat CSC 110 as a regular course. If you're following the typical five credit per year full-time semester course load, you split that normally as two and a half credits per term. That is five half-year courses per term. Full-year courses such as Math 137, 157 take up a half credit per term, making the full credit over the year. CSE 110 takes two of those five spots, and then 137 taking another, you have two elective spaces. 
the winter term, you would get 3. And then CSC 111 plus math 137, 157, part 2, whatever. There's a sample timetable in the guide from the site to give you a visual look at it. And of course, a side note on CS courses, there's a lot of areas in CS. Courses that range from theory to networking to graphics and anything and everything in the middle. Courseography is an open source product, product started by Professor David Lee, which you may have for your first year courses, that charts out all the CS courses in the program areas with it, their prerequisites. You can look at what upper courses interest you, take their necessary prereqs, see where the prereqs are. And I note that these course offerings are as of last year and do not reflect the new course for the 22 school year as a publisher. As always, the calendar is your most updated and official information on prereqs and stuff. So you can see here, it's like, you can pick the courses you're taking, and then it tells you, hey, okay, now you can take these courses and play if you're into systems or software engineering. From there, you can take this course. You need another course from the theory section. Take that and that and that. And you can see where all the courses sort of line up in. Now, there are focuses. These are available for students in the specialist and for designation, basically. So you basically get a note on your transcript saying, specialist in computer science, focusing in blah, 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 artificial intelligence, let's say. Major students normally use this as a guide to see what areas exist and the relevant courses that relate to certain areas that may interest you. Of course, focuses are not mandatory. They can be added at any time as long as you're in the specialist and you've taken the required courses. So use them to sort of figure out, hey, okay, what areas exist. But of course, you don't have to fully complete those requirements or pick and choose your way through it. Also breadth courses. So on top of your degree requirements, of completing 20 credits, specialists, two major minors, you must complete breadth courses within those 20 credits. They can be completed in one of two ways, a credit in each of the four, five, four out of five categories, or a credit in each of the in three categories and half credit in the other two. There are five categories, creative and culture, thought, belief and behavior, society, living things, and physical mathematics universe. Good news. Category five is taking care of a first year CS courses and math courses. The other categories encourage you to explore other fields and areas of interest. First year is a great time to explore other fields or other interests that you may have, and it's especially useful due to first year seminars. There's small group courses that fall and focus on specific topics and interests. You'll find a full list in the calendar, but here are some of the courses that jumped out to me personally. Nope, I didn't take any of these. Don't take them in But find something that fits your interest. And you'll find out you'll learn a lot about me from what I picked from these. Pop culture today, issues and perspectives, ray guns to lightsabers, sci-fi and contemporary culture, puzzles discovering human imagination. This is actually picked from Lana. She took this course back in first year and she really liked it, so I'm putting it on there. How to study video games. God, I just watch enough kind of funny that I can possibly do this. Maybe, hopefully, I can study video games. I play them. I know how they're made. Digital tech and society and. CS's version, what, who, how, privacy in the age data collection. Who knows, taking a course outside your field may, may make you find something interesting. 
for further study or minor or enough major or maybe even swap entirely to something else who knows so course tips this is where things get interesting so originally with the guide it's like we had the whole uh post non-post and then everything got swapped around so this needed heavy rework so this is the first year with the new stream program with it two new courses cc 110 cc 111 these are meant to replace 108 148 165 for streaming students combining all three courses to allow for students to be together as a cohort through first year but to also combine the theory and the practice more tightly than was previously available with the three course split this is because 108 148 people take for other programs as well or just to get programming experience they may not take the theory course but with special stream versions of these courses you can integrate the theory and the practical more closely together how that actually happens i don't know but of course these are still meant to cover the same topics and as of writing they're still using python and for more information on the courses visit department site again if you are not admitted to see a stream whether you're mathematics sciences life science humanities etc you have options you cannot take 110 and 111 you have to take 148 and 165 and a math whether 135, 136, 137, or 157. So in that case, you might be asking, okay, well, do I need to do 108? If you're new to programming, take it. It gives you the required prep for 148. If you're experienced, talk to someone in the undergrad office, see if you benefit from skipping it. If you do end up directing progress, progressing to just do 148, there are ramp up sessions to brush up on the contents of 108. And I've linked to a class final from 108 or look at random slides online. I don't know if they still are available online, but we'll see if we can find it to get an overview of CC 108. If you feel like you don't understand it completely, just take 108. It's a great course. It's made from the beginning, from the ground up. It's not about saving a half credit. It's learning the material. Both courses are in Python. So even if you're familiar with like the programming language of Java, C, or something like that, you might want to take CSU 108 just to get familiar with Python. Consider your options well. Note that even if you take CSU 148 and then decide you're not ready for it after taking a few classes, you can drop down to 108 if spaces are still available in the course. Uh, you can also look at the department page more about how to choose your first year courses. This does not mention the new in-stream version, so refer to the above section for more information on the in-stream site. So finally, it's my next gift, which is again Greg Miller. I think it's from Rooster Teeth thing. It's really popular if you just search like random math gifts. People like it. I don't know why. So anyway, this is a CS guide. Why am I talking about math? Well, math and CS go hand in hand. One sixty-five theory courses, very mathematical approach. In theory, we're very much like our math animals. In theory, <laughs> the reason. You will have to pick a calc course in your first year, and your options are semi-highly paired. So the math department offers 135, 136, 137, and 157. Any of these will satisfy requirements if you're entering from out of stream. But if you are in stream, you must do 137 or 157. And they are more theoretically heavy. 
and mandatory points. Or if you want to do the data science specialist, you must take 137 and uh, or 157. They're great proof material prep. So that's possibly why it would, it's mandatory. But if you're considering a math specialist, you might want to, you should take 157 since a math specialist only accepts 157. Otherwise, Math 137 will prepare you for the level of proof until 165 compared to Math 135 136, which do not cover proofs. 137 is also the Calc course that's recommended by the CS department and is mandatory unless you're taking 157 for history. 135, 136 are more computational heavy, which do not help you with proof practice, but they fulfill the program requirements for attitude nonetheless. Well, I'm talking about the Math Specialist. If you're interested in taking a math major or math specialist, you must take linear algebra in your first year, which is math 223 or 240, math 224 or 247. For everyone else, it's not mandatory to do linear algebra in, the first, in your first year, but you must take at least math 223 as part of CS program requirements. Most normally do in their second year. Some people take in their first year. It's personal preference. But some CS third year and fourth year work courses do require it. So if you want to check out the math department section in the calendar for full details on their requirements. Do your due diligence. And November, if you take a more advanced course with math, you normally can try it out for a longer period and drop down to the less dense math course in the first two weeks or more with no penalty. The same does not apply going back up in difficulty. If you have any concerns, please contact the math department. They've also provided some great prep work for sure calculus. So if you're struggling from calc after online learning, the math department has you sort of covered. Now for Jim Carrey GIF. I don't know what movie this is from. Could be? No, not the mask. I don't think it's the mask. Uh, I'll find that some other day. But it's a really popular GIF. Anyway, how should we take notes? Nobody really has a different question. Some people prefer writing with pen and paper. It does benefit you in math if you're recursive with a lot of formulas and notations drop down. Some people are really good with latex, which is the mathematical typing script, which if you take a little bit to learn, it, it's a good thing to learn. Latex is actually a very good thing to learn. And when, if you're comfortable with it, it makes writing out math and technical notation very easy. So. People swear by the fact that writing by hand is better, and some people like typing everything out or writing with their computer. Programming courses, coding along with the process, sometimes a good idea to see the lessons in action. Those, of course, normally have slides that you can read up afterwards to catch up. Whatever style fits is the one that you should adopt. Some people take the laptops down, put it away, and just listen, absorb everything, and then afterwards do something else. So what type of laptop or computer do you need? Before the question, tech, before the pandemic, technically we didn't, there's no definitive answer. Technically you don't need one since you used to have 24 access Bayhan labs and write most of your assignments there. But since COVID-19's resulting in classes being online or limited in-person sessions, for the most part, you'll need access to a computer. It's recommended you get a laptop since you probably don't want to be stuck in labs all the time or your room and you can use them when you get back on campus. You don't need the most advanced system in the market. You should get something that fits your needs in budget. Universities provide a list of minimum recommended expense for doing remote learning here, which includes having a webcam built. Whether you'll need it, that's a separate issue, but you should have one.
you may need it. If you're attending classes from outside of Canada, the site also provides important information about the VPN if you need access to it. And when I was actually looking at these tech requirements, I was like, huh, okay, this is pretty awesome. Okay, for if you're getting Windows machine, Windows 10, Firefox or Google Chrome. And then this is where it gets really crazy. You need at least an i5 Intel Core. That's very high specs for minimum tech specs. That's pretty high. Four gigs of RAM, that's semi-decent. So no Chromebooks. Chromebooks will not put this board on it unless you're getting a really high-end Chromebook, but I suggest not. Five gigs of available space. At least a screen resolution of at least 720p. I'm pretty sure that's around 720p. And then Ethernet, Wi-Fi, USB ports. And you'll need a speaker, microphone, headphones, necessary camera, scanner, webcam. They have recommended internet speeds, tethering data plans. You don't need data plan. Now, they should say Linux is technically not supported. You, if you're like, oh, but I, I love Linux. I love Linux with a lot down my heart. I feel you. But even if you have Linux, please sideload Windows as well. Do not remove the Windows in case you will need it for a specific application. For most stuff, you should be able to use Linux and you'll be fine. But make sure that you still have Windows available if necessary. And you do get a bunch of free software and benefits from UFT, like six months of Amazon Prime, cheap Prime afterwards, free movie streaming and standard definition via the Criterion or Odyssey of Films from the Media Commons the libraries, which have a lot of recent films, a ridiculous amount of recent films like Onward and stuff like that. Free Microsoft Office that you get as being part of U of T students, so please don't buy Microsoft Office. And Windows 10 Education, aka Windows 10 Pro for students, which you can register there for access. And you can also upgrade your current stuff as well. So online learning, we add a new section that is brand new. There's a new reality for the pandemic. You may decide or force to be taking courses online. And May for a semester or for the whole year, maybe beyond. Now that's a significant change and people need to talk about it. Online learning may be new for a lot of you. Maybe you've had a bit of experience earlier this year, but here's some tips and tricks to help manage online learning. Number one, finding a workspace that works for you. Make sure that you have a comfortable space. Away from distractions, loud noises, and that's comfortable. Having a routine and a constant space that you're safe as well to focus and concentrate. Along with having all your school stuff in one place, you don't need to go running one room to another room to pick up something. Have all your stuff available in one place and like a table. Maybe preferably not in front of the TV unless you like using your TV as a monitor. If you are, well, I'm not gonna say anything. Plan out your time. Make sure you have a schedule, keep to it. Some of your courses may be synchronized and force you to attend at certain times. Use it to your advantage. Start attending classes like you're actually going to attend in person. 
others may have their materials on B as VODs, and these scores are the one that we make sure you're not falling behind on. Set specific times that you'll work on for each course. Even if your course is going to be online and they don't have a set time, put set times in your schedule that you will say, I'm going to work on these courses. Time them sort of around where, when your courses are going to be uploading materials. Plan your study times around that. Stay alert for messages from your courses. Make sure that you're receiving alerts from Kirkus, your mail. You can forward your U of T email to your Gmail or something else if you feel like that's more comfortable for you. Check your email regularly and Piazza for whatever discussion forum the course you use. Make sure you're staying on top of things because you won't be in person to hear overhear other people saying, hey, did you hear about XYZ, the assignment? There's a clarification. You'll be like, what? Well, stay alert. Setting alarms. With technology, you can harness the power of nagging alerts, calendars to make sure you remember your classes and assignments. When you get your course syllabus, make note of all the important dates, assignments, tests, etc. If you are like a lot of the people, you may lose track of time when you're concentrating, causing you to miss a class or her worst case, a test or assignment. Make sure you have alerts and make a habit to check your calendar every week and every day to make sure you're on top of things. Make use of the university's online program. Your college will be providing programming as well. So I'm in university college, so I know they have daily like cooking stuff and chats and all this stuff. And there's a lot of virtual programming. Hard House offers online fitness classes on Zoom and writing community art activities. And when the campus is open, there are a lot of gyms and Hard House hosts a lot of activities as well. And on the Career Learning Center, you can register for virtual study hub. So you're not alone studying. This helps increase your motivation and concentration. Currently, virtual study helps take place Monday to Sunday from morning to afternoons. So you can drop in and do that. Also, find the people that are in your course and do video group study sessions, stuff like that. Don't just group call on tests or something. Don't, please. Cheating is bad. So tips. Say so you got any courses you like, plan your timetable well, hopefully. Now you need to succeed. How do you learn the content well and get decent grades? Well, here's some main things. Number one, attend lectures or watch your lectures. Lectures are the main way you're taught the course content. You shouldn't be afraid to ask questions during the exam lecture or even before or after the lecture if you don't understand something. If there are multiple lectures teaching the same course, try to attend one lecture each lecture. Find whose style resonates with you best and fits your schedule. However, you should read the syllabus carefully to see if the course is designed in a way that auditing different lecture sections don't negatively impact your brain. Some courses have lecture-specific midterms, participation marks that you only learn in your own personal lecture section. Attending tutorials. As a former first-year TA myself, I truly believe that tutorials are the best way to check what you're doing. I remember I TA'd for 148 for two years in my second and third year. And I had students that would just come in and just don't bother to sit there and then leave. And then I had some students that were really making use of me at the time and asking questions, getting feedback, and know that TAs are your best way to get one-on-one -on -one contact. Small groups, you, they're paid. They're paid to be with you, to teach you, and they're picked for that. They also give great advice, <laughs> myself.
office hours. So office may sound daunting, like going up to a professor's office somehow five floors up, but they're not. Most, if not all, professors are great people. They love it when students come to office hours with good questions, good questions and concerns. And if they're not too busy, you can ask them questions about their research or general CS questions. So the thing is, is like, if they're not too busy, you can ask them questions about their research or general CS questions. They're some of the most experienced in the field. And this is a great opportunity to develop a great professor-student relationship, which can help you later on reference grad school or research opportunities, etc. As well as the Help Center. It's a great place to ask for TAs and profs questions that you might have about the course content and assignments. As I said earlier, make sure you don't go right near the deadline. It gets very crowded, procrastination is finest. However, it's still a great way to get help. Piazza is an excellent resource if you need any questions answered. Again, don't do it last minute. And when it comes to assignments, don't start the day before. This only makes you stressed. It gives you no time to ask questions if you get stuck. Start early, make a list of the questions to ask, go to office hours to get these questions cleared up, and golden rule, don't copy off of other students. Plagiarism is bad. It's serious business. We link to the Ontario Students, not Ontario Students, the Office of Student Academic Integrity, which talks about academic misconduct and it's serious. The department has very high tentacles to catch you, and they will. It's never worth it. Something comes up and you need help. Talk to your prof. They'll try their very best to help you and accommodate you. It's never worth cheating. And especially with online learning, it's like people are going to be much more strict about it. It's serious things. People have gone in zeros, failed courses, even at worst case, even been kicked out of the university for your plagiarizing. It's serious matter. Also, another serious thing is that you make sure your code runs on lab computers. It sounds crazy. I've done first year courses. People have submitted assignments that don't compile, and it's Python. It's going to compile because of the following two things they didn't submit the right file, it had an error, or their computer imported random non-ASCII character in the lab computers couldn't parse it, resulting in a zero because it didn't run. Believe me, if it runs on your computer, that's not enough. It must run in the lab machines. They're Linux. If you wrote your code on a Mac, Windows machine, or even a Linux machine with different configurations, your code may depend on libraries or an encoding that the TeachCS machines don't have and won't run. The thing is, these random non-ASCII characters, I've not to be stereotypical, but these normally come from other language keyboards inputting alternate language characters, such as calligraphy, Chinese, other characters as well, Indian language characters as well. Even French accent characters are sometimes not, don't really sit well. So make sure your keyboard settings are clear it up, make sure you have they're all ASCII characters. Even if it's in a comment, it causes it not to parse and it gets very, very crazy at times. I've seen weird things. How do you prevent this? Simple. Submit early, download your code off of Marcus to a lab computer and run it. If it runs in the lab, it runs well graded. 
or connect to via SSH and run it remotely on remote lab computers, the same thing. Even if it runs on your computer, it's not a valid reason for it to run properly while grading. It must work on the lab computers as well. Check your language settings, non-English characters, you're not to mess it up. Render it unreadable, runnable, it's weird. Rather safe than sorry. The more you keep in mind is the ethics of copyright and code sharing. Most students will think, okay, hey, I can leave my assignment. I should post on GitHub, put it on my portfolio. That may not be a great idea. These assignments have a lot of starter code compared to professors, and sometimes prof like to reuse these assignments. You should always ask for permission from your professors before posting your assignments on public platforms like GitHub. Otherwise, you might be held accountable for plagiarism. Even if you did not commit it yourself, as a student taking the same course in later years or even in the same semester, you might find your assignment and copy it. So the big CSL of admission to the program, declaring your major, minor, first specialist in CS in second year. So in St. George, the Faculty of Arts and Science has this policy. It encourages exploration in different fields, making it easy for students to switch majors and subjects after their first year. So technically, you're not really a CS student, you're in a CS stream. The issue with CS admission is that there's not enough resources or space to get every student who wants to choose CS after their first year spot. So the department has instituted cutoff average as a requirement for students to get in the program. As of this year, brand new, two sets of requirements, if you're in-stream or not. In-stream meaning you've been admitted to the computer science stream from high school. This is brand new and represents a significant change from the years prior. I sit down with Professor uh, with undergrad chair Michelle Craig to talk about those new changes in the 2250 episode, first of season three, and it's linked in the guide as well. So if you're in stream, you get what I would say is one of the best deals of getting into the program that stream students have had basically for the last five, six years. As quoted from the outside calendar, if you complete at least four full credit equivalents and complete the following courses with the minimum grade, CSE 110 with 70%, and CC 111 with a 77 and pass either 137 or 157, you are in the program. This is a significant change because in prior years, there was a variable cutoff. You didn't know what the cutoff was. It was normally the top X students in stream and out of stream. That get it. Nobody knew competition was rampant. Stress was at a whole time high. And this program change really makes sure that you, people focus on the courses itself and not on the competition and the grades and doing better than everyone else. You're just competing with yourself. You're putting yourself to do the best you can and making sure you get above that minimum grade. And if you're not meeting that minimum grade, you have to work towards it, think about it, or think and seeing whether CS is really right for you. These are foundations. These are important base. If you don't find their content to be con conceptually appealing, it's pretty likely you're not gonna enjoy up your CS courses at UT as well. These requirements aren't there to cut down the number of people for in-stream students. They the department itself says they anticipate the vast majority of students will meet these requirements and will be admitted to the specialist major or minor, whatever they choose. If every student meets 
I guarantee every student will be admitted. There's no reason to be scared you won't meet these requirements. The instructors are not here to weed you out. They're not going to artificially decrease grades or anything. They're instead to make sure you're prepared and understand the content. If you are out of straight, you get a little bit less of a good deal. Students, if, you, if you're out of stream, you must complete a supplementary application to be considered for the program. And as well, with a minimum grade, which is this variable minimum grade. So basically, after in-stream has been determined, the remaining spots, which is at least half of the spots, or it's a little bit less than that, you will they will take the top X students from out of stream, slot them in with the remaining spaces, and that's the grade. As well, completing the supplementary. Of course, if you get below a 70, you will not be considered for admission at all. And due to the limited enrollment nature, enrollment backups, and if you're admitted after your second or third year, you must pay retroactive deregulated program fees, which we'll talk about later, which are not fun. So after reading this, out of stream students will now be asking me, well, what's the cutoff? Eh, well, we don't know an answer. Cutoff's not arbitrary now. Number 60, 75, or 70 and 77. In reality, it's the top X number of student averages that apply to the program out of stream where X is the number of spots in the program in that year after in-stream has been admitted. In 2018, the specialist major cutoff was around 83 for in-stream, 86 for out-of-stream. We've moved now to both of them together being around an 83-ish. For the CS minor, the cutoff was an 80 for both in-stream and out-of-stream. I have not heard of that being changed, so this may go up or down in upcoming years depending on future circumstances. It's hot. It's possible. Nah. Is it doable? Yes, if you put in work, effort, into the required courses. Of course, the number of program states that remain relatively constant, basically increasing year after year. And there are more program spaces available than the number of first year CS admitted students. From what we got from Professor Craig, it was around 250 to 300 students that were being admitted. There are 550 spots. Even if every student was admitted, there are still about a little less than a half of the spots still remaining. These two courses, again, are an important base. If you don't find their concept content to be appealing, it's possible you may not enjoy your, your courses. And keep your options open. As mentioned, take some breath courses. Maybe you'll enjoy them. You want to pursue them further. The great thing about that is that UFT has a flurry of awesome programs we can choose from. People now ask what's supplementary, and basically it's just a way for the department to get to know you. They ask about your experience, who you are, character traits, all that. They do do random interviews, so make sure you're truthful. For more information, visit the department's admission page for more details on that. Now, there's also the data science program. This is a recent added speciality that is co-offered by the stats department and the CS department. As quoted from the calendar, the data science specialist program prepares students to work in the data science industry or government and for graduate studies in data science, computer science, or stats. Students in the program will benefit from a range of advanced courses in CS and stats offered by UFT, 
as well as its three integrated courses designed especially for this program. There are specific admission requirements on top of the existing CS requirements of CC 110, 111, 140, 165, Math 137, 157, Stats 130. You must take Stats 130 if you want to get into data science. And note, to ensure that students' mini program will be successful, you must have at least a 70 in Math 137, along with your CS courses, and in Stats 130. And you must have at least 77% in CC 111. 157 grades are adjusted. Obtaining these minimum grades, of course, does not guarantee admission. If you are an in-stream student, you get a special bonus just for you. 20 spots in the science program will be reserved for non for in-stream CS first years who complete these requirements. AKA, think about it. Basically, in-stream first years, the top 20 will be automatically admitted to specials. The rest are put in, in the pool with everyone else. And then from there, the grades will be put in order again, and then put in for the rest of the slots, like non-stream CS and given an order as well to see supplemental application that must be completed with out of stream students. And at program enrollment time, you can apply for multiple specialist major elements, depending on which ones you get. You can choose a set you want to continue with. Backups are important. And you don't have to get the CS program to pursue a CS job. There are a lot of people that do math or stats or something and then go on to do programming and all that stuff. Getting into the field is not just you have to be in the program or anything like that. That's something that works for you and and pick whatever you think will you will do best in. And journeys always take twists and turns, ups and downs. Find something that speaks to you. And maybe it may not be CS to start off with, it might be math, it might be stats. It might be something totally different, you'll find a new love. But I'll get into a little bit more of that later. So this next question is really important. And uh, a lot of the original version of this guide was originally to help talk about mental health as well, especially with CS students with first years it's important. And well, with the new in-stream requirements, it's made it much less stressful, but it's, university is still stressful. It's, it's a giant leap from high school. This section was originally written by Clara, which was the first year back when we wrote the original first year guide. And I've kept it basically very much the same. This first paragraph is directly from that. Mental health is extremely important. Taking care of yourself should be your first priority. A lot of students find program admission to be extremely stressful. University in general is gently from high school. Taking a reduced course load or dropping down from hard courses to easier exclusions isn't something to be ashamed of. You should definitely do it if you feel like it will benefit your mental health. In the same note, Accessibility services is something you should check out if you're having mental or physical health-related problems that are getting in the way of your studies. 
They provide amazing support for those who are registered with it. You can get exam accommodations, assignment extensions, peer note takers, among many other benefits. And you can also get your own advisor whom you can go to if you have problems coping with various aspects of the university. They'll direct you to many resources and help you out the best they can. Accessibility Service, so I have a link to their website, and the Men Health and Wellness Center has medical and mental health services to help students academically and personally if you need them. Make sure to make the most of these services which you have access to. You're paying for them, they're here to serve you, and the UFC Red has a, a post pinned for sentimental health and wellness resources as well. Following something I've added, and to be honest, I, I wouldn't believe in it. Two, do I, I really love Star Wars Rebels? So I was thinking, okay, hey, how best can I integrate them into this guy with a gift? And then this made me think and really put me in to say, you know what, I'm going to talk about it. Because sometimes I believe when things get tough, I believe in hope. Things don't work out exactly as we expect. Things go wrong, bad things happen, but never give up on hope. Hope that things will be better someday. Keep being true to yourself. Work towards your goals and don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on others either. We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. And for those of you who haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, this is, I believe, from season one earlier, Hera and Ezra Bridger, because the show, and of course, I've really enjoyed the show, got me really into my love of Star Wars as well, and I really love animated shows as well, so if you haven't watched it, it's all available on Disney Plus, four seasons, and some of the best animated performances I have ever seen. Season three, Trials of the Dark Saber, Tyrus Sakari's performance is to be is one of the most emotional performances I've seen in animation, and made me a fan of Dave Filoni for life. So back to actual more things. Serious is another thing I want to mention is that collaboration and teamwork can help a lot when it comes to deal with the pressure of assignments and midterms. Yeah, acceptance in the CS program is competitive, but helping each other out and learning from one another, they go. It makes a long way. Make friends. Everyone's scared, everyone's stressed out. They just want to do well. Helping each other out and being kind to one another. You can't just go solo in all your classes. You're surrounded by some of the best students in your year, some of the brightest students. Take advantage of that. University is a lot less stressful if you have like-minded friends to help you along the way. And of course, the love Pokemon too. Pikachu and Eevee, friendship gift. I, yeah. I've actually watched a lot of Pokemon in the series. I just watched Journeys as well, which is, is surprisingly really good as well. So I, I'm always Team Pikachu, though. I'm sorry, Eevee. She's cute, too. And this next section is something that I personally read up. And with a lot of the things that have happened in the past few weeks and months in 2020, especially with... Um, in the video game community, in our real lives and stuff with racism and a lot of shit that's happened it got me thinking and I was like, you know what? And we need to talk about it. And 
I call this finding your community. I have that thread going throughout the entire podcast series where we say about finding community, but I think it's important to talk about it. The University of Toronto has a diverse campus. Students come from all around the world, all different types of walks of life, every type of social status, political status, all sorts of things. People are unique and they share different beliefs and values. There's a community for everyone. No matter your race, your sexuality, your religion, you should feel like you belong. This type of thing is a two-way street. You must treat people with respect, accept opposing views, show compassion and kindness. The actions you take make our community more inclusive and more diverse. Whether that's being the CS community, the U of T community, Toronto community, Canadian community, or the worldwide community. Being good to each other comes with action. That means not attacking each other in comments, piazzas, Reddit. When you disagree or you're angry, that means not harassing women or anyone for that matter in our community. And that means calling out others when you do see this kind of bad behavior and course correcting. We need to work together and listen to each other. To listen, empathize and act. Unfortunately, racism, prejudice exist. Even in an academic institution like UFC. I hope that people that are listening to this, watching this, reading the guide, think about these words and their actions. If you feel like you don't belong, there are groups out there, communities, and good people on campus that can help you. Never lose faith in humanity. And there's just one other gift that I want to do, and then I'll talk about this more. But this is um, Khalif Adams from Spawn on Me on his appearance on Kind of Funny Games Daily. And this was during the Black Lives Matter movement this year in 2020. And over the killing of George Floyd. And I think he puts it out there statement out that I think really, really touches that. People are mean and people suck. But people are also fantastic and great. That's the thing, there there are there are bad people out there. They're everywhere. But there's also good people out there. There's a lot of people that are willing to support you. And the thing is is that we always say it's like you don't have to be part of the CS community. A lot of people identify with a community that they feel passionate about. Whether there's a CS community, there's the UFT community in large, but there's also the UFT community has a lot of sub communities. Whether that's your college, some people are affiliated with their college a lot, some people are familiar with their sports, the sports teams varsity and a lot of times the club that they're really interested in or passionate about work on it and i i mentioned about like i I've, I've heard stories and like even in the CSU there there are people you know what it's 
people say things and and it's wrong and sometimes they don't mean it sometimes they just say it but sometimes it's it's an internal bias internal fear and i think we need to say we need to start accepting people and like see us in general i'm gonna say it up right here is that women get a bad rap they like i know a lot of great women in cs like a lot of the people i know that women in cs work tirelessly and they achieve great things not because they're women but because they're passionate about the field they're passionate about the subject and they're passionate about what they do and it, it doesn't matter whether you're man woman by gender, any other sexual orientation, you should feel belonged. And we see it like there's the reputation, there's not a lot of women in CS. That's true. But that means that we should be showing the women that have the guts to show up, treat them with the respect that they deserve. Like I've seen it where people are acting disgusting towards women in the program, making them feel like they're second rate. And that, that's not right. And for any woman that's listening to this, you should make sure that you know that you have as much right as anyone else to study CS. Don't let anyone put you down. Say that you're different, that you're not worthy of studying CS, not worthy of being a programmer, not worried about being a gamer, because they're wrong. If you're passionate about it, you should be able to do it. You should have the respect given to you that you deserve. And this applies to everyone, not just women, but I want to say it specifically for them. Because I've seen it, I've seen it, that in CS, it's the online comments and online posts and stereotypes that there's not a lot of CS women. Well, if we can treat the women that actually come in fairly and justly, make them feel like they belong, well then, Maybe more will come. More will actually be in the program. And we shouldn't be judging people based on what gender they are, what their social status is. That's not right. We should be judging people on their talent, on their skill, on their tribe, on their effort. That's why I want to put a pin on that. But I want to make sure that everyone knows it's like, find the community that speaks to you. We have communities for everyone, video games, women in CS. We have the National Black Society of Engineers. We have different religious groups on campus. We have everything. There's a group there, there's a community here for you. And I hope that everyone can be part of that CS community, at least feel it. But if not, that's okay. 
Maybe put an effort, but find something that speaks to you. University should be the best years of your life. Make sure you enjoy it. All right. Maybe I should have cut that section last, but oh well. Speaking of community and involvement, how to get involved. School life balance is important, especially when you're in university. There may be intense pressure from academics. Make sure to give time to yourself. You can check out a huge list of clubs and student groups that you can join through ULive. Visit the clubs for during the first week of classes if it's still running. Obviously, someone thing virtual, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. And for more CS-related clubs, do check out our list of CS clubs, which we will be updating, hopefully, eventually. Currently, that link is down, so. Maybe I'll link to the GitHub version of that, but we'll see. And we, I had two clubs come on Room 2250 earlier this year to talk about their clubs and their experiences and their communities. So we have Women in CS and the UTCG, which is the University of Toronto Computer Graphics Club. And you might also want to consider joining FSE, Frontier Learning Community. Basically, you get a group of other students who are taking the same CS courses you are, and you get up with your mentor, along with department mentors, who will help guide you through your courses, union life in general. It helps make some friends, be in the know, get some real mentorship, especially in this COVID-19 time where you may not be able to get as much face-to-face -face with other people. Being part of an FFLC maybe will help you find some friends and fellow classmates. More info and apply at this link. And hey, do take a look at being applying to be a first year rep here at the CCCU. You'll be responsible for sending your interest and issues to the CCCU for information, information, updates to your classmates. You can also be a general council member. Check out the CSSU page for more details on when to apply. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and a lot of events happen across campus. You can go on Facebook, Instagram, possibly Snapchat. CSU doesn't have Snapchat, but whatever. And there's all the hackathons. So for those of you who don't know what a hackathon is, basically one to three day event where you and your team get together to build something like an app which solves an app or a web application or whatever you want. That's all a Google problem, or just something that's really cool. And you win prizes and learn new technologies and get free food. Now the thing is, hackathons are something that's unlike anything in any other field. Like other fields, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna speak for them, but I'm gonna say it on personal whim. CS has some of the best prizes, swag, and free food. If you go to a hackathon, if you go to a top tier hackathon, you are not just getting pizza. You are getting like the mac and cheese, burgers, really cool stuff, and like unlimited chips and candy supplies for the rest of your life and Coke. Also, Prizes are huge. Winners, like I've, when I was uh, working on sponsorship with UFT Hacks back yeah, a few years ago, we had Google give away Pixel phones for the entire team. On top, there were 
Switches for everybody. Switches are popular, supposedly. Oh, actually, no. Switches are fantastic. I know Switch is fantastic. If you don't have a Switch, there are some great games on it. Uh, well, pick pick a video game console that you like, but... And the Switch. Great. Have Smash. I use Ring Fit now. I just bought Ring Fit. It's great. Give me exercise drink when you... But anyway, that's enough about me and my Switch. Marvel Ultimate Online. It's a great game. Anyway. Learning new technologies. Like, there are a lot of workshops that happen at these events, and companies are there to show you new technologies that they're using and maybe even job opportunities and free food of course free food there are a lot of hackathons mlh is the organization major league hacking that sort of oversees a lot of the major hackathons so you can see a full list of hackathons in canada and around the world a lot of the u.s ones are popular and if you're comfortable going to the states and you have the right documentation for a weekend it's a great opportunity a lot of bigger hackathons even have the sponsorship money to give free transportation down mostly by bus so it's and normally these events are always like free 95 percent of the time and you get an opportunity to meet students from around the globe uft hacks of course is our premier hackathon hosted on campus so be on the lookout for more details later this year depending on public health guidance and remember, you don't have to be experienced to go to a hackathon. A lot of workshops are offered throughout the events, and you can always go for the experience, which is pretty awesome. And of course, there's one more gift here from Gary Witta on Kind of Funny Games Day. Like, yes, so like now the fourth Kind of Funny gift that we've had here. But this is actually a really good, really good tip and a really good mantra to live by, actually. Uh, Gary is the writer of Rogue One, a bunch of Star Wars books, and Book of Eli, if you watch that movie. And if you're not making moves, you're standing still, which applies to anything, whether it's academics, clubs, or even just your personal growth. It's like, if you're not making moves, you're not going to hackathons, you're not going to clubs, you're not going, you're not extending yourself, you're, you're standing still in terms of your social lives. You're standing still. In terms of growth so keep making moves join a hackathon go join a club attend an event keep moving and speaking of jobs jobs internships and py co-op you know what they should just kept just py but then again co-op is an issue so everyone wants to get experience in the real world and make those big cs dollars cs dollars are actually big Uni is expensive, living in Toronto is expensive, so a job that relates your studies pretty much checks off all the boxes. There are wide ranging job opportunities which you can consider. As a first year student, definitely look at some of the major company internships that are dedicated to first and second year students. Google's Engineering Practicum, Microsoft Explorer are two of the bigger programs, startups are a great way to get in the door, get some experience. Do your due diligence, unpaid internships are very uncommon in CS. So make sure you know what you're getting into before committing. Like most students, internship pay is pretty dang good. Like you're looking at more than minimum wage for sure, at least $20 an hour. But for good interview questions prep, Cracking the Coding Interview is one of the best books out there. Very informative, has a lot of great problems in it. And this is made another GitHub repo with job resources and tips linked there. 
And of course, if industry is not your cup of tea, that's totally fine. There are a lot of research opportunities for a student if you're persistent enough to pursue them. After your first year, there are second year research programs run by the Faculty of Arts and Science, where you can get real world, uh, real inter research experience and course credit, either in the summer after your first year or during your second year. There are a lot of open source projects that you can contribute to, both at UFT, PyTA, Marcus, and outside of the university as well. Google Summer of Code is a great place as well. And Google pays students during the summer to work with them on those open source projects. And if you want to learn more about undergrad research, I have an episode talking about research with Professor Jacobson, which shows how you can work towards getting research, doing research in third and fourth years as well. And of course, there's the PEY program, Professional Experience Year Co-op Program, administered by the Engineering Career Center, is another option that you consider after your second year or after your third year. Basically, a 12 to 16 month paid internship at a company that you have to apply to an interview for, or won't just be given to you. And you can get some experience and some pretty good money before you complete your studies. Normally, the average is around $55,000, $60,000. So, that's a year, and you're working for 16 months. For a year to 16 months, that's about, that's basically your entire tuition if you're going for domestic tuition. For international, it's about maybe two years, less. If for more information about PY Co-op or CS, there's a department page and the Engineering Career Center site, which is more important for more information and statistics. I've also included a bunch of links, uh, the department's discourse page, the podcast, art science guide to first year, services and resources, the Reddit, career questions Reddit, CSU newsletter, read the department emails. And something about Reddit that I do want to say, Reddit, I love you, but on Reddit, the most vocal accounts tend to be students who are misinformed. There, there are a lot of great information, a lot of great discussion that happens on the Reddit, but just know how to filter through misinformed comments, avoid the trolls, make sure you're well-informed. If you're reading something, try to make sure that it's properly sourced or correct. And last thing I want to talk about is finances. Of course, the, the great, I think it's from the Jetsons, maybe? I actually don't know where this is from. But sort of puts CSD regulated fees in perspective for you. The dollar bill is your regular tuition that you think, 7K, and then the wallet is basically the 14K tuition that you'll have to pay as a CS student starting your second year. So CS is actually a deregulated fee program. It's more expensive than your regulated tuition. Since you're not considered a CS student in your first year, you don't have to pay deregulated fees. Instead, you're paying regular arts and science fees. To be honest, I don't know how the university manages to get away with this, but hey, they got away with it. Please keep doing it. It saves money for first years. However, once you're accepted in the program, you will face the brunt of CS and deregulated fees. Starting from the summer after your first year, year fees are about double. And no, this is starting from the summer after your first year. You will get your program acceptance in July, most likely officially, or early June. If you take summer courses, you will be originally charged regular arts I rate, and then when you get your program acceptance, you, those fees will go up. They will charge you extra on top of that. So it's always a shock for everyone who gets hit by it, but sadly, keep, keep it in mind if you're taking summer classes after your first year and you're doing CS. They're double. 
the regular tuition fees. These deregulated fees aren't because UFT wants to take all your money. That's the 5% increase that they, well, that's the increase that they want to do every year. But rather the government, the Ontario government believes that you can get a job out of undergrad. You're in high demand. You can pay your student loans faster. So you can afford higher tuition fees, like engineering and business students. Whether that's true or not, that depends on your point of view. This decision was made in 1998, the height of the dot-com era, for thinking of how CS, okay, yeah, well, most of it's true, sort of. Does it mean that they should still be charging a double rate? Uh, I don't think so, but yeah, that's, that's the law. And nobody plans to change it from 1998, dot-com era. However, you can still get loans. OSAP which is open to Ontario residents who are Canadian citizens or permanent residents. And of course you can apply for it, finance with a financial calculator on the OSAP site. And the good news is as a CS student, so the thing is, I know of a couple of students who are from low income households. You should not feel that if you're from a low income situation that you cannot afford to go to university in CS. Don't believe that at all. Because I know most of them that with proper financial planning, most of them are graduating debt free. Or they only get to have to pay living expenses and stuff like that. Like they're, they're, it's pretty stable. And I'll tell you why. Because so OSAP, there are a lot of government grants for low income per persons. The thing is, that will not cover your entire tuition. There's this magical thing called UTAPs. The University of Toronto Financial Aid Program. The great, it's the University of Toronto Advanced Planning stipend or something like that, actually. What is UTAPs? Like, I knew what this meant, and then I totally forgot what it just meant. The University of Toronto financial aid. So the thing is, they just call it YouTube's. YouTube Toronto financial aid. Anyway. So the thing is, is that the great thing about this program is after your first year, you do not have to do anything. Based on your OSAP data, includes your family income and other things if you're from another province, country, check the YouTube site that I just pulled up to Without their estimator. But if your OSAP data is low enough, so if you have low enough family income and your grants and your loans don't cover your tuition, you get extra money. This is free grant money from the University of Toronto paid towards your tuition. And if you already paid off your tuition, that money comes back straight to you. However, there's a catch with this. You do not know this amount till late September, early October. Though this money is pretty substantial. I've seen four, five, six K, $7,000 per semester as part of this UTAP tour. So the thing is, is like I've seen students who have like basically almost had their entire tuition basically paid off. It's just living expenses and more and their loans. So 
the thing is, it's like, don't discount UTAPs because, and if you're, of course, entering for the first time, complete and submit the estimate. Now they say by February 28th. To be honest, as a first year, uh, especially with unregulated, with regulated fees, you most likely qualify for UTAPs unless you're in special circumstances like you're li living off campus or something like that. Still, just fill it out. We'll see what it is. Also, out of province, UTAPs applications, you have to fill out another form as well. So it's a great program. I hope this program actually stays for a long time because it is extremely helpful. It always feels magical when you're just like lying into Acorn one day and you're like, oh wait, I'm getting a medical of $8,000. What? Dang it. I love it. And then you notice you paid off your tuition. So it's just like, oh, my bank account's about to be get very full. Anyway, you know what? That's, there's one last thing also. There are scholarships as well. So on top of all of this, there are scholarships. Check out. If you qualify them, Google has a bunch of scholarships. The undergrad office has uh, information on CS-related scholarships. There's also here's your Toronto site, art site. And of course, check out your college registrar for more financial aid options, such as bursaries and other scholarships that your college will give. It's always great. They're also great at doing financial planning as well. So if you need help on managing your money, your college registrar is a great place to help. So the thing is, that's it. You made it to the end. If you've listened to this in one go, great. Congrats, thanks. If not, well, okay, no, I'm not gonna do a summary at the end of this one. Why? If you do that for a guide, I get it, but why would you do that for an audio version? This is an audio book, basically. Of course, I so every gift I've taken from the tenor or Giphy Corey Cadney, great gifts, as always, for kind of funny. But this is one gift that I made myself, which using a meme generator, and I'm like, oh, I have to do this. So, of course, the, the Drake, nah, and yeah. The, not reading the guide and asking questions that people have already answered, nah. Reading the guide, searching, and then asking questions not been answered, yes. So, I'd like to thank all the people who have contributed to this guide making this a possibility. Clara, my original co-writer. Uh, the 2020 version, Lana's been amazing support as well. Chloe Nguyen, CSU treasurer, Alex, CSU president, uh, the rest of the team as well. And I hope this guide is informative. And if you think that your peers will benefit from you or friends or anything like that, hey, feel free to share it. Information like this is meant to be shared. I. I made this guide specifically so that I could share the information that I've learned and others have learned throughout the years in one place. So uh, I'd love this to be viral and have every student read this before coming into first year. And I can't do that alone. So if you enjoy it, hey, share it with people, share it with your friends. If you have any suggestions or comments, email the CCSU, make a pull request, put an issue in GitHub. Fill out the feedback form, I read that feedback. If you really want to, put in that feedback and send it my way and 
I'd be glad to read it. Even, even if you just really enjoyed it, you just want to write a good comment, please do. I'll take anything. Even if it's constructive criticism, I'll take it. I wish you all the best for your first year. I hope you make the most of your time here at UFC. And maybe I'll see you for CS Rush later this year. And this is my fellow, my episode of Room 2250. Well, not an episode of Room 2250. This is technically, this is the first year guide audio commentary version. This is Anujan signing off. Thank you. Have a great day.